and welcome to WPP Stella Podcasts. WPP is a creative transformation company and Stella is our network of senior women leaders. I'm Frances Illingworth, Global Recruitment Director at WPP and founder of Stella. I'm thrilled to be launching our third series of Stella Conversations, opportunities to delve into the lives and careers of our senior WPP women in the form of a conversation between them and a high potential woman from one of our operating companies. Our second podcast of this third series features Claire Gillis, international CEO of the WPP Health Practice, in conversation with Anna Lee Bridgestock, Digital Performance Director at Wonderman Thompson. We hear about Claire's early career as a pharmacologist, a health economist, and now an outstanding leader of our specialist health and wellness companies. So I'm here with Claire Gillis today. And um, Claire, I wanted to start with some quick fire questions to get to know you a little bit better first. Ready for that? Yep. Let's right. go. So um, texting or talking? Both. I'm really good. I can do both at the same time and watch TV. <laughs> Morning or evening? Morning. Journey or the destination? It's all about the um, destination for me because I travel so much that waiting in queues, I just want to get there. Totally understand that. <laughs> um, super strength or invisibility? Oh, super strength. Oh, yes. Okay. Talk to me about that. Well, being invisible, you might kind of hear things you don't want to hear or see things you don't want to see. So at least with super strength, um, I can help people. Hmm, I like that. Backpack or suitcase? Oh, suitcase with wheels. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. Classical or jazz? Classical. Oh, any favourites? Um, well, I love opera. Oh. I absolutely love opera. I know that's a, a very distinct taste, but no, I do, I do like a good opera. Brilliant. Um, Apple or Android? Apple. City or country? Country. Beach or skiing? <laughs> Beach. I can hear my family right now going, she hates skiing. Asking questions or answering questions? Um, asking questions. I wanted to start first by talking about you and your background, actually. Yeah. So um, a lot of these start with, you know, where you are currently. But I was really interested to read about where you've come from. And one of the things I noticed was you're actually a trained pharmacologist <laughs> and also a health economist. What is that? Well, a pharmacologist means that um, it's the science of drug development. So... I always joke that uh, I can make you the drugs, the medicines, and I can also charge you the right price for them. So a health economist is about making sure that you identify the right patients for the right drugs and you make the financial argument around them so it's easy to say yes. And did you do a lot of that before moving into your the role that I'm going to talk about? <laughs> right. So I did pharmacology at university. And then I went into the pharmaceutical industry, so very classical kind of sales and marketing kind of roles. And then I went into management consultancy. Uh, I was based in the US and the, the market was just changing there. So they had a thing called managed care, which was around getting the right prices for drugs and making sure as many patients could get drugs as possible. So that required a set of skills which were basically mathematical modelling. I got to a point where in the management consultancy that I was in, we did strategic consulting, but we also did consulting around health economics. So that's how we got to the position of being health economist. Obviously, I trained after that um, and then started my own business. 
Yes, and that's the, the perfect Not thing. on my own, I have to say. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I started it with my best friend. Ah, okay. So this is an interesting one and potentially a great segue. I've heard that it can be potentially quite hard to start a business with your best friend or with someone that you know. How, how, what was your experience like? Well, I was very lucky to have Karen as my best friend and business partner because she is the kind of opposite to me from the perspective that she has a very complementary skill set. But we knew each other so well that when one of us was in one place, the other kind of provided the um, the balance to that. Now, we always used to say that one of us would stop us going bankrupt and the other one would take us to the stars. That's wonderful. That's great. And um, so I, I think uh, you started that company in 1996. Gosh, was it that long ago? <laughs> God, it makes me very old. No, I mean, uh, how, how did that all come about? So you're with your best friend. And how <laughs> did you just sit there one day and come up with this idea? Or what so we it? were in her back garden with a flip chart because that... that that's the kind of people we were, <laughs> with a beer. And um, I was traveling a lot. And I met her at the pharmaceutical company that, that I went to after university. And we were looking at solutions. And whenever there was a problem, Karen would get uh, a flip chart out. And we started um, just brainstorming around, you know, what options there were for me in, in my career with my skill set. And she said, you know, we could do this. And obviously, I kind of hitched my light to her wagon and went, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And we did. So um, 12 years later, WPP acquired us. And we only ever started off um, to pay our mortgages. And there was such a demand for the uh, initiatives that we'd identified in the US. They were all coming to Europe, and there was such a demand for that. I think we were the first market access company to consultancy outside the US. And it just snowballed. Wow. We were very lucky. But as Karen always used to say, the, the harder we worked, the, the luckier we got. Mm. It sounds like you also obviously worked very hard to find this niche and find this opportunity or you knew your market really well. Yeah. What was that opportunity? You mentioned it. What was that, that niche you mentioned? Well, at that point, um, essentially, if a doctor wanted to prescribe a drug, he just needed to write the prescription. And governments were working out that there was less and less money to fund all of the new innovations that were coming through in the pharmaceutical industry. So somewhere we needed to understand what we could afford and the outcomes that, that came as a result of prescribing those drugs. And I mean, it's, it's super interesting now because we have much more personalized medicine. We're getting to a point where for you, um, we can create something that will specifically meet your needs, generally. And so it's easier to pay for that. Mm, okay. But it, it wasn't like that 20 years ago at all. It was kind of, okay, well, the doctor has the power. So if they write the prescription, the government needs to pay for it or the insurer needs to pay for it. Mm. I have a question for you around the starting of your own business. How did that process go for you? Like you're in the back garden. <laughs> we didn't plan it. <laughs> we didn't plan it. And I haven't planned my career so far, right. which is probably not the, the right thing to say nowadays. And I would always encourage my kids to plan what they want to do. But, but actually... For us and for me, it's about doing what you're really interested in. Um, and starting my own business, I run the businesses 
that we have now in WPP in exactly the same way. We've all got to keep the lights on. Mm. And if we're doing something that's interesting, that meets client needs, then we will have a great business. You've just got to kind of hold your nerve, really. Mm. Okay. You mentioned already that WPP um, bought your company, WG Group. And actually, in 2017, you were you were made international CEO of WPP Health. Um, and uh, this is your current role. <laughs> a lot of us have heard of WPP Health, but um, not, not many of us will know exactly what you do there. Could you give us a bit of background on what it does? I look after a number of businesses that predominantly address the creative advertising needs of uh, clients. And clients could be pharmaceutical companies, healthcare companies, governments, patient groups, any stakeholder in health. And there are other teams outside my group that also look after health, but we are the specialism that, that does health, really. I also look after the chief medical office, and that's the consultancy business that's really WG Group plus other pieces which look at things early in the pipeline. And I have a team in New York that does that. So that's that's a global offering. Mm-hmm. And um, you mentioned that it is quite a unique offering. Um, are there many other companies that do this type of consultancy? Well, I, w- I would say we are the best in the business, obviously, but we creatively transform health and we can do that anywhere in the world. And because you have this network, which now is um, a network that works together really well under the umbrella of the health practice. We can take best practice from anywhere in the world and apply it to client problems. And I'm a fixer. I love fixing problems. And and that's the kind of skill set that our talent has, which is about saying, you say you want this, but let's look at the bigger problem and see what else we can pull in to be able to address your needs. Fundamentally, we're about getting better patient outcomes. That's what we really need to do. When you look at the challenges that are facing the healthcare industry and patients and and the population, they're still pretty massive. You know, if you look at just the stats in the UK, half the people diagnosed with cancer will die. Mm. Um, many of them will die because they don't get access to the right medicine right. or the right support system to be able to get the thing that will fix their cancer. Mm. There's a street in London, and, and this is not um, an outlier. There's a street in London where your life expectancy changes over 10 years. So at one end of the street, um, your life expectancy is 10 years less than what it is at the other end of the street. And that's because of wealth, privilege, which means access to drugs. Mm. Um, Our job is to make sure that we can change behaviours through the creative use of advertising, data, technology. So I I know I'm starting to go on a little bit about this, but I'm absolutely passionate about making sure that health is a universal right. I actually think it's a really important point that you've touched on. And um, one of the things when we first met, I actually said to you um, very nervously and very quickly, I was so intrigued to see your posts on LinkedIn, to see the videos from your colleagues. And it felt like everybody within your type of 
health comms were very passionate and very purpose-driven. And I think a lot of people in comms and advertising struggle to find that purpose. Oh, we're um, very lucky. Yeah. But, but the challenge there is that we're in a highly regulated industry. So we would love to have the freedom that you have if you're looking at uh, cars or or body lotion or, you know, sports equipment. We're highly regulated. So it requires our teams to find the real deep creativity mm. to stop people in their tracks and do something differently because of it. Mm. And when we look at things like the Can Awards, um, you can see that health is getting to be bigger than they were. Now we're part of the, the main program. And I think people are recognising that this is quite a sexy place to be because it really means that you've got to flex every little bit, your creativity, the technological pieces, data within constraints, but it's really interesting. So for all our health stakeholders, it's about how we... How do we change those behaviours in a highly regulated industry, which is really noisy now? You know, we're being bombarded with so many messages from so many places. How do you pick out the bits that are real, that are evidence-based? And what we need to be able to, to make sure is that we harness that data and we push it in the right direction so that it is directly attributable to those outcomes that we need to change. Okay, so are there any other challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis? Well, I think in the same way as us as consumers, we, we face the challenges of trust and how our data is being used. I talked briefly around the masses amount of data that's being that's being picked up. I think we have to make sure that we have programs and campaigns that make people feel safe whilst respecting data privacy. Ogilvy Health London did an amazing program called Spark 17, which was about bringing together young people from, I think it was 17 different countries in Lesotho. And it was about providing a platform of trust where they can work together to support each other and carry that on when they went back to their home countries. And it's that sort of thing where you can use data, you can create trust, you can do it creatively, and it's a force for good in the end. It sounds really great to be able to see a campaign or an activity work like that. We'll keep a lookout for it because um, we're doing it again in September. Great, will do. So I'm going to talk about you now a little bit. So um, how would you describe your leadership style? (laughs) Um, I just, I was on a course last week, um, a WPP course, where this was analysed quite extensively, which feels really uncomfortable. (laughs) But it's always good to get feedback from your, your peers and your teams and that sort of thing. So thankfully, I have an inclusive management Mm -hmm. style. And I, I say that kind of in inverted commas because I don't actively try and look at a management style. I just kind of, this is just me. So I would hope that I treat people in the way that um, I want to be managed myself. Great. So I would hope transparency, openness, inclusivity, low risk. So we get to better places if we challenge, but equally... It's about knowing how far to challenge and kind of go, okay, I, 
I get that someone else in the team has more skills and and understands the issue better. But if we bring that diversity into team building and management, actually, we get a much better outcome for our clients. As I said, it's about creatively transforming health. So we need every voice in the room to be heard. So in terms of inclusivity, um, have you got any examples on where that's accelerated your career? Well, possibly not my career, but I think the outputs that we have for the business. I've just started having conversations around neurodiversity. We're really fortunate in WPP Health that when you look at all of the parameters, whether it's gender, ethnicity, we're really we're really good at that. But the thing that we haven't quite got our heads around for active talent spotting is around neurodiversity. So we're just doing some really interesting things about that. And I do a monthly newsletter. And I was super thrilled when I got an email back saying, you asked to understand who of us are neurodiverse. And it's a fantastic email from one of my team who I hadn't realized was um, acutely dyslexic. And she has a PhD from Cambridge. She's a writer. So all of those things you would never know. But to, to have overcome all of those challenges to get to that point, she must be pretty spectacular, don't you think, mm. to be able to do that? So that sort of thing is really inspiring for all of us. Mm. That's wonderful. It's a great story. And inclusivity, we have dogs in our London office. That's brilliant. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so what do you love most about your job? Well, from a client side, um, I love, as I said, fixing problems. <laughs> And to be able to have those conversations with people, to be able to understand what the challenges are and the options that, that we have to fix them. As I, as I said, I, I'm a fixer. Um, and my consulting background has given me the tools to be able to do that. From an internal perspective, from a WPP perspective, we're so fortunate with, with the teams that we've got that we can literally pick up the phone and solve any problem because there's a group who, who are doing it. With my own team, we're such specialists in health and everyone, whether they're in Japan or Australia or France or Spain, has a unique take on that. So it's, it's really interesting every single day. You get to a Friday afternoon and your brain just hurts and you, you kind of start hitting a wall. But, you know, it's, there's always something more interesting coming down the pike. Okay, and on the other side then, um, what do you least like about your job? I hate queuing for a plane and getting <laughs> up early to have to do that. I mean, I really hate queuing. Um, it just feels like such a waste of time to, to, to be in transit. Because you have such complex problems to solve, you're looking at science, medicine, lots of data, lots of creativity... You have to give yourself and your team time to um, recharge. And when, when we're in a client business, it's hard to do that because we deliver, we de deliver quickly and we deliver quality. Mm. But that requires your brain to be in the best possible state that it possibly can be. I mean, you and I have been talking a bit about um, burnout and resilience lately. And um, yeah, I'd love for you to talk to me a bit about that. Resilience is key in this job, and I think it is for any 
company that supports clients. So you have to be able to make sure that you look after yourself and your team to be able to deliver for yourself, your team and your clients. So I think resilience is is critical. And that's about, for me, it's about making sure that I'm rested, I've eaten the right food, that I'm exercising, and that you give yourself time to think. And we don't have that luxury a lot of the time. Um, So talk to me about a a time where it might have been a bit challenging within your career and how did you overcome that? Pivoting off resilience, I think I'm pretty good. I can keep going, keep going, keep going. And uh, Karen would tell you this, that, you know, we were both the Duracell bunnies. We just kept going. But I'm not very good at um, looking at the signs and going, do you know what? I probably need to stop. And my challenge is to make sure that my support team around me can identify those those things too. So, I mean, the last time I hit a wall was a couple of years ago and I ignored the signs. I had a sore throat and very quickly that descended into very bad tonsillitis and sepsis. But, you know, this is about learning from your mistakes and making sure that you're observant and supportive for your team around you too. Mm. So it's it's about having self-awareness, I think, and taking the time. It's great. I was going to ask you for some tips, but you've already given us some there. So it's brilliant. I'm lucky. I have a good support system around me at home and at work. Um, so talking a bit about Stella now, how long have you been involved with the Stella Network? Oh, um, a couple of years. And I think when, you know, if we talk about support networks, you have to have them in, in different places, right? You have your, your work, then your tribe within work, which is Stella, and your friends and your family, and you just have to flex them in and out as you need them. And what does it mean to you to have that network? Well, I think everyone, well, most of us enjoy being part of a tribe. Not only do they provide entertaining events for us to go participate in, but it also provides a set of people on speed dial that you can just pick up the phone and say, you know, I'm having a bit of a challenge with this or um, what do you suggest I do with this particular problem? And, of course, it's the umbrella under which all of the WPP programs that that accelerate women sit underneath. And I've been very fortunate to be part of some of those. And, and, uh, and they are invaluable relationships that you build because you build them outside of your particular specialism. Mm. And everyone is um, so generous with their time and their intellect that, um, as I said, it's invaluable. You said something really lovely to me yesterday, and uh, you said that uh, actually you should you should tell me it's about the keeping the door open for other oh. women. <laughs> well, you asked me about what advice would I would I give, um, and it's about that that management style of being open, transparent, and for any young woman that I bring into the business, I always tell them to make sure that they do the same and they open the door behind them to another young woman. And I think that is super important. So my final question for you is, have you got any other advice for, for female leaders or leaders at WPP? Well, I don't think it's it's just for female leaders. Um, our mantra in the health practice is every voice has value. And I think we need to take the time to listen. And in that frantic environment of 
client deadlines and making sure things get out the door the best quality, sometimes we don't make space to listen. And actually, they can be the most valuable minutes because you're you're hearing everything and that can lead to a better outcome, I think. It's all about outcomes. I love it. Thank you so much, Claire. It's lovely to have had you here. Thank you very much for inviting me. For more information about Stella or WPP, employees can visit our intranet inside WPP. Stella is listed under communities. Other listeners can visit WPP.com. Subscribe now for up-and-coming podcasts on iTunes. Please spread the word and share amongst women and men, colleagues, friends and families.